Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Euphoria, our podcast about the great glam and garish from Eurovision history. As ever, I'm joined by Isabel Chilman. Hello. And I am Roland Bodnam. Um, we're doing this from... <laughs> Got your name there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a slight pause. We're doing this from a different location from our first episode. We're doing this from Isabel's kitchen because Isabel, you are feeling poorly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that sounds very childish, but I think I have been quite childish today. You've had- I had some fillings done and I've never had fillings before, mm. so I didn't know what would happen and I've not felt very well afterwards. I don't like it. You had a numb mouth. I had a very numb mouth and I was dribbling quite a bit mm. um, and I couldn't talk properly because I couldn't feel the whole of my top of my, my lip, my top lip. To make you feel a little bit better, Isabel, would you like some Yakut? Yakut? Some red wine. From, oh, my favourite! From its product of Turkey. It's from the local uh, Turkey Turkish supermarket. Yeah, um, TFC. Love it. Love TFC. Yakut, uh, dry red, and from Eastern Anatolia. Good. Shall well, at least this is the first time of our two podcasts that we've had a wine that's actually from, <laughs> from a country that entered the Eurovision yeah, Song Contest. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's appropriate at the very least. So I'm just opening this. Isabel, talk to me. <laughs> about your your experience this morning having metal in your mouth oh i don't like it at all the dentist was lovely and um we chatted about the spice girls and their new leaked material which sounds terrible oh oh oh, we're getting oh ready hang for the on pop. oh yeah sorry this is the uh, asmr portion of the podcast where you can oh, let me just open the wine yeah here pass me a glass are you gonna do the glugging again oh hi here we go Mmm, mmm, a lovely glass of Yakut. A lovely glass of Yakut mm. from Anatolia. Um, so the three things that we do each week is we cover some Eurovision news, uh, we go through our stories of the uh, great glam and garish throughout Eurovision <laughs> history, and then at the end, I play Isabel a song that I feel uh, could... <laughs> could potentially enter Eurovision and then she tells me that it would never enter Eurovision. Except last week's, last I thought it would. Was, yeah, it was. United We Dance, Divided, divided. We Fall, yeah. was it called? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. It was all right. If you so, haven't had a listen, go back. Episode one, listen. it's bloody great. Um, so, uh, speaking of which, corrections from last week. Oh my God, corrections, okay. <laughs> um, is this, this is the bit that, what did I call it? Any other, any other business? Any other business. Any other business. Any other business. So yeah. um, I, my whole basis, Isabel, for the songwriting, which in the uh, start of the episode, I said I based the songwriting on a th- give a thousand monkeys a thousand typewriters and they'll write Shakespeare. And you said, oh, that'll, that'll be a while, but eventually we'll come up with an, a good song. The actual saying is, give an infinite amount of monkeys, an infinite amount of typewriters, and they'll come up with Shakespeare, which makes it think we're going to have to do this podcast for a lot longer if we want to come up with a correct Eurovision song. Yeah, that does make more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, because a thousand monkeys. But I like you being my monkey, just singular. Just a one with monkey. The one typewriter, just, just tap, tap, tapping away, just giving it your best shot forever. 
I'm long, into that. As long as I'm enthusiastic, that's the main Exa- thing. As long as you're having fun. Okay. That's what this is about, Roland. That was my main correction. That, that okay. uh, uh, I had a correction, actually. On. It's only a mild one. I was bad-mouthing... Um, all the things you said, all the things you said, running through my head, tattoo. tattoo. Um, and saying that they were, um, <laughs> they weren't proper gays. Not real they're not, gays. They're not real gays, neither of them are. Um, but I wanted to make note that actually one of them, um, although I think is, is not uh, a very nice lady, one of them, Lena, mm. um, is actually a big advocate for the LGBTQ community. Oh. So I just wanted to give Lena a big shout out. So my my other, my final correction was that I uh, seemed to at some point, and this was probably towards the end where we'd had our bottle of wine, I seemed to infer that Bolivia were a part of the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, most no. certainly not. South uh, America, mate. South America, South yeah. America. So who knows though? Australia in, Bolivia next year could potentially get in. So I don't know who I was trying to refer to, but Bolivia most certainly are not. Bosnia, Bulgaria, Maybe any of the bees, any um, of the bees. So let's move on. So um, it's time for Eurovision news. Da, 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 da. Eurovision news. So actually, really ironically, and this is not planned at all, you bringing up the Spice Girls uh, <laughs> and this is now less news and more gossip and conjecture so don't get too excited what? but I saw on a on a Eurovision news <laughs> uh, website um, speculation and rumours that the song leaked earlier by and Shut they're up. not called the Spice Girls they're called Gem because it's not Jerry MML <laughs> yeah um was actually going to be a Eurovision Song Contest entry. No way. I looked into it and tried to find out sort of what information people had. It's mainly based on the fact that it lasts exactly three minutes and that's oh. the length of a Eurovision song. If that's what you got, guys, but, I don't think you got a strong case so far. Um, and um, yeah, so it seems to be very, very rumour uh, mill based. Um, however... Um, having listened to the song, it does have a very Eurovision vibe. It's um, lots of ooze, an overall positive message. I think it's called a song for her. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah, and and also there were rumours in 2012 that Jerry had proposed a reunion for the song for for Eurovision um, in order to achieve what Blue had failed to do the year previously. Blue uh, took a good crack at it there. I was did. bloody impressed with them boys. No, they that did. Was a great song. But I think if if Spice Girls reformed they would have do you think <gasps> I'd be very nervous about them not doing well and then it being very embarrassing it would be very embarrassing they yeah. were the biggest girl band in the world they would um, also in 2007 Mel C said that she'd like to go to Eurovision it sounds fun so Mel C's not enjoy- <laughs> she's not part of Gem though is she bloody hell Mel I'm just, I'm just saying what, get I'm just, involved <laughs> I'm just saying what what is uh uh, just the, put, <laughs> the internet's just scraping through oh, any time any of the Spice Girls said the word Europe they're I, like they, they love Eurovision I bet Mel C said that as in not even perform there just go to Eurovision she probably just said it to Graham Norton yeah. as he was talking about yeah. how fun Eurovision is and she yeah. went yeah I'd love to go it sounds fun so other news proper news um, here's proper news. here's some proper Eurovision <laughs> news Spain has received 392 submissions for national selection of their Eurovision song. What? 392 submissions. How? That's a really weird noise then. How does... How? What? I mean, that's 392 people. Do they just open it to anyone then? I think that's 392 people sending in a song. I I probably could enter or submit. let's find some Spanish heritage. (laughs) 
I'm put Don't our name in the hat. Maybe we should. I'm very English. That's I'm very I know. English it's so well. boring. It's so dull. Um, however, they did get some interesting facts from the whopping 392 songs. They broke down um, the genres that had been entered. Mm-hmm. Um, they broke them down, but there's a, there's a trend, let's say. Let, I'll go through them. So the entries were 26% pop. Good. It's a good percentage. Ten yeah, percent pop rock, five percent ballads, five oh. percent pop dance, nice, four percent electro pop, predominantly pop then, four percent rock. Uh, you can't go pure rock at Eurovision. No, you can't. Other entries included included Latin pop. Please say one was reggae, jazz, disco, and. Reggae! Reggae! Oh, <laughs> reggae entry. Eurovision always does horrendously. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how well they do. They came 22nd last year with um, what was actually a pretty decent song. I oh, no, we loved Spain, yeah, didn't yeah, we? we? Did it was really a fabulous like woman. Looked like Cheryl Tweedy, Cole, Fernandez, Vecini, Cheryl lookalike. That's the that's the news that we've um, that we've had this week and uh, you know i'm sure as the weeks roll in more and more countries will have more and more submissions and entries and there's already some countries selected their singers um on the eurovision website you can go through and their little faces are filled in and they've got pictures of them and the other ones are blank so oh i know what i'm doing this weekend have a little little scroll through and see um so should we move on to the main bulk of the podcast isabel Yes, the Roland. stories through uh, the history of Eurovision. Now, as we always say in the two episodes that we've been recording so far, Isabel and I don't know what each other has chosen. Um, nope. We give a vague reference so that we know n- what we are not to do uh, so that we don't do each other's. Um, so, uh, Isabel, shall I begin? Yes, please. How are you for one? Are you good for now? Shall um, I top you yeah, up? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, okay, Isabel. My story is called <clears throat> Cliff Richard versus Spain, 1968. <laughs> versus the entire of Spain. Well, let me take you back to 1968, Isabel. Let me take you back. The popularity of Harold, Harold Wilson's Labour Party had slumped to 20 points behind the Conservatives. <laughs> Enoch Powell warns that immigrants may change the character of England. Oh, and the BBC no, no, sitcom... Nothing's changed, is it? <laughs> Absolutely Jesus. not. However, on a brighter note, the one perhaps bright thing of 1968 was on the evening of the 6th of April in the Royal Albert Hall, right here in London, an event was taking place in which 17 countries joined together in a celebration of wonderful, joyous music. It was, of course, the Eurovision Song Contest. Of course. And it was also the first time that Eurovision had ever been broadcast in colour. Oh, yeah. all the outfits. I bet they looked incredible. <laughs> I bet they hadn't even considered it before uh, 1968. You just, it's black and white. It doesn't matter. Oh, my God. Imagine that now. No, but just... I, think they, I think they still would have... Because people knew how to perform. I think even then for True. the... Even though it was in black and white, for the live audience, they'd have mm. worn something fun. Well, also, the at the time, the voting, and we'll go into it a little bit more, but the, the voting was done by a panel of 10 people from each of the 17 participating countries um, and each person each person from the 10 people would give one point to their favourite song but they were there in the studio in the uh, at Royal Albert so you had to wear something wonderful so had, it wasn't for the people at home it was for the people in the crowd yeah so um, so the night was going well everyone was having a great time and it was time for Britain 
to perform. And so a bright-eyed 28-year-old Cliff Richard... Cliff Richard was never 28. He's always been 70. (laughs) 28-year-old Cliff Richard. There's there's visual evidence. He walked onto stage and performed what I've seen described as a flawless rendition of his now classic Congratulations. Oh, I forgot that that was his Eurovision song. I love that song. Yeah. So our flawless rendition. Flawless. That was what I. <laughs> that was a quote from a from a description of it. Um, so after he came off stage, all hopes skyrocketed among the viewing public um, that we would do the double because the year before Sandy Shaw won, which is why it's being performed in England. Sandy Shaw won with the song "Puppet on a String." Oh, that song creeps me out. I think because I'm scared of puppets. <laughs> that might be. Yeah, that might be. I think their dance routine was quite puppety as well, wasn't it? Oh, I, yeah. don't, know, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, oh, but okay, so, fun. Good for us. Sandy Shaw. Yeah. Good name as well. So all hopes were high. Um, so the songs were over and it was time for the votes. And as I said, the, the, the voting was done by panels of 10 people from each of the 17 countries. So 170 people basically deciding on who is the winner. Um after deliberations, the results started coming in. By the halfway mark, United Kingdom were tied at the top ah! uh, of the scoreboard with France, who each had 18 points. Spain were a little way behind with 14, and then Ireland uh, fourth with 12. So it was close, it was exciting, and the United Kingdom were doing very, very well. Um, with just two countries left to go, the UK and Cliff Richard were sitting top, clear with 26 points. The closest competitor was Spain, who was sitting at 23 points, so three points Mm. behind. France had slipped way back with 20 points, and they were in third. So according to reports, everyone backstage had assumed that it was the UK's. Uh, The two writers of the song Congratulations, they were called Phil Coulter and Bill Martin, they were actually escorted to the winner's enclosure. Oh my God. Um, oh no. Oh my God. So, and if they were to win the song, they would go down in history as the first and currently only writers to write the winning song two years in a row. And it um, used to be a big thing, like the, who the songwriters were. Oh yeah. That was, a, I mean, nowadays no one gives a shit. But back then it was a big thing as to, you. Perf- okay, so the winner, well done you, you sung it, you performed it, that's great. But also songwriter, song you're contest. amazing too. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole song contest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were in the winner's enclosure um, and two countries left to go. Germany is up next and the results come out. Uh-oh, Germany gonna fuck things up. So Germany gives the UK two points. They get, Then the score comes up for Spain and they get a massive six points, which is the highest score that was given, joint highest score that was given throughout that whole evening. So that then puts... Spain ahead of the UK, 29 points to 28. The next country, the last country, gives zero points to both the UK and Spain. So Spain wins by the skin of its teeth in a shocker and Sir Cliff has to walk away in a very disappointing second place. Oh, Cliff. Poor Cliff. Phil Coulter, who was the writer who'd been taken to the uh, winner's enclosure, said, uh, and quote, In one fell swoop, we were yesterday's men. Beautiful, beautiful oh, writing though. Phil, he deserves to win all the song contests. He said we were quickly escort- escorted from the winner's enclosure to the... <laughs> to, we were, to the loser's bin. He says we were quickly escorted from the winner's enclosure 
to the losers enclosure. That's not <laughs> a thing, a is it? That's horrible. They just kick him out into yeah. the alley out the back. And the suite I had booked for a celebration instead became a wake. Yeah. <laughs> he he went on to say, and this is him in 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 re, uh, reflection now. He said there was certainly a sense that something odd had gone on. <gasps> But maybe it was just the disappointment of coming so close to creating history. Oh my god, is this is this like So well that that was it. The, the record books showed that the winner that day was Spain with a song called La 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 by a singer called Maciel. And four decades pass, Isabel. <coughs> four decades pass and we reached the year two thousand and eight. <coughs> and towards the start of that year, there are rumours that a documentary has been made. A documentary about the night that we've that I've just discussed, and in this documentary is an accusation uh, that Francisco Franco, who was the then dictator of Spain, had in fact rigged Eurovision in his country's favour. No. So, I'll ju- I'm just going to give you a little background on who Franco is, uh, if. Your historical knowledge isn't quite up to uh What do you mean? <laughs> um, historical genius. So he was a conservative monarchist on mm-hmm. on the right. Some say far right. I mean, he was friends with the Nazis, so that would oh, be fair good. to it's say. Oh, good. It's always nice so, to be friends with the Nazis. When a leftist party came into power, he was also in the military. When a leftist power party came into power in 1936, he staged a military coup, uh, which led to the Spanish Civil War, in which half a million people died and a further 450,000 people fled. So he's, good, so, he's a good guy. Yeah, he, he's a when, good he, guy. when he came to power, he uh, declared a totalitarian state, uh, which he was at the top of, of course. Um, and during the length of his reign, he committed a number of atrocities, which included the establishment of concentration camps, the use of forced labour, mm. uh, executions, mm. and he caused the deaths of between 200,000 and 400,000 people, according to different reports. So, in case you were wondering who to back on this one, you've got Cliff Richard. We're backing Cliff Richard. <laughs> 28, or, or General Franco. It's, it's up to you. I'm just going to lay down the facts. Um, so the Spanish entry had already had a rough ride before even entering Eurovision. Um, the original original singer, Joan Manuel Serrat, refused to perform La 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 in Spanish uh, and, and rather um, said she was going to perform it in Catalan, which was her na- native language. Um, the Catalan language was repressed during the dictatorship of Franco. And Joan was ousted uh, and Maciel was put in in her place. So um, it was clear from the start that General Franco wasn't going to let this go wrong. He he had, yeah, he had his finger involved in this. You know? It is like, amazing he was like, how... Uh, well, we discussed this last week, how political Eurovision can be. This is what we mean. This is why we're doing this podcast. It is not just some silly little song contest. No. People take it very seriously. Countries take it very seriously. Mm. And it can go clearly all the way to the top of the... Mm. Whoever is leading that country mm-hmm. will be involved and kick up a stink about something if they are not happy about how they're being represented to the rest of the world. Yeah. Do you think uh, Theresa May is going to get involved this year? Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> well, this... I've told you. I'm scared she's not going to let us do it now. We... What's her new one now? Red... No, that's... That can, oh, my God, red, that can be our new... <laughs> Red, white, and Brexit. That's going to be UK's Eurovision Song Contest entry oh next God. year. And no one will give us any points. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so in the, in the documentary that made these accusations, um, a Spanish TV presenter who was a presenter at the time 
uh, of the of Eurovision was quoted as say as saying it's a fix. Massiel won Eurovision with bought votes. Um, the documentary was called 1968. I lived the Spanish May, which is a beautiful name. So the documentary alleges that Franco was determined to claim Eurovision glory for Spain in a bid to improve his country's national image, boost its emerging tourist industry, and improve the regime's image within the country itself. Uh, the director, who uh, is called Monse Fernandez Villa, said that looking at propaganda newsreel and the parties that were thrown for Maciel... She was turned into a national hero and all served to glorify the regime. What basically is suggested in the film is that executives from Spanish state-run television networks toured Europe with offers of cash, promises to buy random television series and host shows of obscure local singers and give away free holidays to Mallorca in return for their vote in the Eurovision Song Contest. I mean, I'd take a holiday to me all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you six points. That's fair enough. Um, so, according to the documentary, the bribes worked, and as we heard, the victor on the night itself was Spain. Um, responding to calls for an inquiry into the matter in 2008, the director of organisers for Eurovision TV said, No! No! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! <laughs> Just... Just to make Cliff Richard a little happier and the Spanish winner a little bit more unhappy. And now I think this is a weird saying in that country because it says, I don't think you should dig up old bodies to prove he was or wasn't the father. It's history. Oh, I don't know, but that's clearly a weird translation. I'm going to start using that phrase. (laughs) But yeah, so... uh, So that's... Well, well, no, but you should... It's not not, not a case of... Just to make Cliff Richard a bit happy. Cliff Richard is a happy man. He's a happy, happy he man. He is a happy, happy man. We know that. Yeah. He is not about him. This is about... Fairness. Exactly. Justice. Justice for all. Justice for Richard. That's what this is about. Um. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, clearly, um, the Eurovision people weren't going to look into it. Mm. Cliff uh, did return to the Eurovision Song Contest in 1973 with the song Power to All Our Friends. Don't know that one. Which is a lovely title. I don't know either. However, he only plays third behind artists from Luxembourg and Not Spain. Spain. No! Oh, for God damn it! <laughs> Poor Cliff and Spain. That's such bullshit. The one person we haven't heard from is in all this mess is the man himself, Sir Cliff Richard. However, in 2008, when all of this was going on, uh, thanks to The Guardian's hard work breaking hard news they managed to get an exclusive interview with sir cliff on the matter in hand and in the article in the interview he's quoted as saying i've lived with this number two thing for so many years which i love as a quote in itself (laughs) (laughs) i've lived with this number two thing for so many years it would be wonderful if some official from the contest turned around and said cliff you won that darn thing after all he said, it's never good to lose, never good to feel a loser. When I went on that night, I said to the band, look guys, there'll be 400 million people watching. It'll be a massive plug for our song. And it was. I think we sold a million singles, but really we wanted to win. 
Mm. Which, you know... I can imagine didn't... Cliff doing that as well. Yeah. Look, guys. Look, guys. Hey, guys. This is great. Look, hey, guys. guys. Hey. We're going to have a great time hey. tonight. We're going to sing congratulations. We're going to win. It's going to be bloody brilliant. And he thought they were. So he also said that if the adjudication were... <laughs> he said this, actually. He said that if the adjudication was overturned, he wouldn't hold Spanish singer Maciel to account. He would send her a signed copy of congratulations, which to me is a bit of a fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I beat yeah, you. That's kind of bitchy, <laughs> I, I beat you. Here's the song I did it with. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, I do have to say that, that to protect yourself from any legal uh, filings, uh, any legal doings... There is no proof of um, any of this actually happening. <laughs> this is all made up. No, Massio has <laughs> denied any sorts of rigging, saying that there were many singers who were much bigger fans of Franken than she was. Um, and also the presenter who was quoted in the documentary has also since rescinded her comments, claiming that she was merely repeating rumours and conjecture that she had heard. So it appears as if we will never truly get to the bottom of what happened on that night in 1968. However, I think we can rest assured that Sir Cliff's reasonably all right. He's doing all right, He's isn't doing he? okay. He's not doing too bad. He goes to Wimbledon. He does. And he, he does the tennis. He sometimes sings as well, and that's fine. Just the singing. Um, okay, he, bloody love, he loves it when it rains. I oh bet he goes my. hoping it rains. <laughs> He's the only one who Just goes hoping it rains. Song. Uh, so that was Cliff Richard versus Spain, 1968. Oh, I feel so bad for Cliff. I never knew that. Cliff Richard versus General Franco. <laughs> versus the dictator of uh, Spain. Uh, that's yeah. vaguely terrifying. Do you think if it had all gone wrong and Cliff had won... The, the like that Franco guy would have put a hit out on him oh god can you imagine he wouldn't have let it go wrong I think the hit would have been on the TV producers rather than Cliff who can who can put a hit, hit on Cliff oh, he's too lovely look at his he? face hi guys hi guys hey <laughs> hey gang oh. uh, so, great story Roland yeah, loved it. Was, uh, I never knew that yeah no, uh, that's uh, vaguely terrifying so Isabel would you like to tell your Eurovision Story. Yay! Yay! So, in a bizarre turning of events, even though you did tell me what year you were doing, and then I think I pushed it to the back of my brain, so maybe subconsciously I chose this one, I weirdly am doing the Eurovision Song Contest 1969, <gasps> the year later! How very appropriate. So we, right. we know where it was held. We, You know exactly where it's held. It's bloody held in Spain, isn't it? And I bet Franco was there as well. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> I don't, well, I have no, I have no knowledge of Franco. I wonder, I didn't even know to look him up to see if he was doing anything weird with this one. But this is what we do with this podcast is we fill in the gaps. Oh. So now we know. So now, so, so now we know. So now we know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. So, uh, my one is going to be about the Eurovision Song Contest in 1969, um, which was the 14th in the series. Mm. Uh, the venue selected to host the contest was the Teatro Real, an opera house located in Madrid, in Spain, obviously. Lovely. Uh, the surrealist Spanish artist Salvador Dali was responsible for designing the publicity material for the 1969 mm. contest, as well as the metal sculpture which was used on stage. Oh my, that sounds so fantastic. they were swanky yeah. as fuck, right? Yes. Just prior to the show, Larita Valenzuela, the presenter, asked the producers... What would happen if there was a tie? The producers assured her that such a thing would never happen. Larita. They're going to eat them words soon enough. Amazing. (laughs) Very dramatic. Right. I'm I'm trying. Yeah. Um, The United Kingdom held a national pre-selection to choose the song that would go to the Eurovision Song Contest. It was held on the 22nd of February and presented by Michael Aspel. Oh. 
Song number four in this uh, pre-selection mm. competition, I Can't Go On Living Without You, Ooh. was co-written by Elton John before he became a well-known singer or had a hit. Wow. Was that back when he was called Reginald? Is that his name? Reggie? Yeah, Pop. Reg. Pop. Let's call him Reg. Yeah. Reg. I think he was. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think he is. Yeah. But um, I, it just says Elton John here. I'll check it out. And if it's wrong, I'll cut it out of the podcast. Why not? Oh, we'll just add it to any other business next week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Elton John's full name. And was he known as that in 1969? <laughs> Please don't sue us. Um, this song actually came second in the pre-selection competition Ooh. behind the inevitable chosen song, oh. Boom Bang A Bang, sung by Scottish pop star Lulu. Oh, Lulu. 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 God, they were Lulu. like, they were Cliff, Lulu, Sandy Shaw. All like, the big names. Yeah. I mean, Sandy Shaw less names. so, but like... Still around there. I know. And, and longevity. That's what Eurovision gives you. Longevity. Scooch. Okay. <laughs> Back in the day, it gave you longevity. <laughs> right, right. There's always an exception to the rule. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Austria was absent from the contest, refusing to participate in a contest stage in Franco-ruled Spain. There you go. Well done, Austria. <laughs> Good work, Austria. Bloody well done you, because as we've just learned, Franco was a bit of a bastard. He was a little bit of a bastard. Bit of a bastard. Wales wanted to debut with Welsh language broadcaster BBC Kimru. Can you see, is it Kimru or Simru? Kimru. Kim, Kim, Kimru. Kimru. That sounds like I'm doing like a... Uh, something. Like a Manuel Spanish accent. Kimru. <laughs> um, uh, R.I.P. Andrew Sachs. Oh. Uh, and... Jeez. <laughs> We've already had genocide in the podcast. <laughs> now we've got the death of Andrew Sachs. Well... Yeah, I mean, you okay. cover all bases. Uh, and also made a national selection called Can Igimru. Sorry, Welsh people, if I said that wrong. So they, in the end, their participation was rejected. Oh, Because harsh. Wales isn't a sovereign state. Only the BBC has the exclusive right to represent the United Kingdom. Wow. So again, guys, this is part of Eurovision rules. If you enter the contest, you have to screen the contest. And your broadcasting state has to enter the EBU, as we've explained before, the Eurovision European Broadcasting Union, uh, which Wales clearly couldn't enter. So they weren't trying to enter a Welsh song through the BBC. No, they they wanted to to be separate. Oh, gosh. The 1969 contest was heading for a thrilling finale with France, the Netherlands and Spain tied on 18 points with just one country left (sighs) to vote. It seemed like it was way closer back then because also we have like 390 points like nowadays, whereas back then yeah, it was you like can win, you win on eighteen. 18. <laughs> now you have to win on four hundred, and there's so many more countries that enter. But as we've said, I think they've now fixed this because oh, this year's I'm was so... the most tense, stressful Eurovision yeah. final ever. I'm with so the point excited. System. So the point, the new point system is incredible. Yeah. Like they've yeah. totally fixed all this now. We'll see back how in the they day, do. Yeah, insane. sorry, we keep jumping out of the timeline. Let's go we've back to 1969. Back to 1969 again. <laughs> okay, so France, the Netherlands, and Spain all tied on 18 points with just one country left to vote. Shit. Enter. The mischievous Finns. Oh, you Finns! Who gave all three of those countries no point. And the UK, who were on 17 points, one point. (gasps) No! Which caused a four-way tie. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course they did. 
Um, with no tiebreak rule in place, the, the, the poor, uh, the words that I found online, which I think is very mean, it said the hapless hostess, oh. poor, poor woman. Um, but the, the, the host uh, completely fell to pieces on screen oh my God. and things quickly degenerated into a total shambles <laughs> <laughs> live on TV. You can watch it on YouTube, oh the whole... God. Um, that whole year, the, the 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 show is available on YouTube. Oh to watch, my god, amazing! And it's fantastic. The end bit is hilarious. <sighs> she gets very flustered. This poor woman, where she's just stood next to the um, next to the Spanish, um, maybe not the judges, but the the, the Eurovision deciding team yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. like kind of panel of decision makers. Mm. Um, she keeps like touching her hair and looking around, like she doesn't know what to do because this is ball behind her with four countries on the same points. Um, and in the end. Oh, actually, no, the best bit is when the camera turns around to the audience. They are going insane. They are like moaning and shouting. They're banging their fists on. Oh. Like, they get really into it. They're really like, it's very like, rumble, rumble, rumba, rumba, Like That's Franco Spain, that is. Oh, bloody hell. Everyone, they get very like. Oh, my God. It's a big, it's a big deal. Everyone's freaking out. No one else to do. And then. In the end, um, so it, it was the first time ever that the contest uh, resulted in a tie for first place. Um, and because at the time there was nothing in the rules for that eventuality, all four countries were declared joint winners. Yay! So all four countries Everyone won <laughs> the Eurovision Song Contest that year. <laughs> um, so I thought I would go through those entries and just yeah. explain what they were. Yeah. A little, bit, a little yeah. bit of backstory to them. Yeah. So there was the Netherlands, which was Lenny Kerr with D Troubadour. Uh, that means the troubadour. Uh, this was the Netherlands' third win, and the troubadour is—it's um, not a good song. So Lenny is a very kind of hippieish woman. Also, all four entries that won as well, all four winners were all female solo singers. Oh, go girls! Fabulous yeah. oh, female empowerment, you know. <laughs> um, and she's a very she looks kind of hippieish in sixties. She's got a very long red dress on, mm-hmm. kind of mousy brown hair, very sweet looking. The song is. <laughs> Not, I mean, just to listen to. So it sang in Dutch, okay. and it's not the most interesting song to listen to oh. for me. Then I read the lyrics, and it gets even worse. Oh, like no. it's such a pants song. It's oh. about a troubadour. Okay, yeah. right. So it has um, lyrics such as the tales of bold and gallant knights, the fearless battles oh. they would fight. These are the stories he'd recite. The troubadour, oh. the many tidings he would bring about some poor and lonely king would never see another spring. The troubadour, and it goes like that. There's a lot of la 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 la, which we've said before. Very yeah. popular in Eurovision. Yeah. They love the la la, sing sings, babadees, anything nonsense. Um, it's not good. I mean, I'm very upset that it made it into the top four because it's compared to some of the others. No. Okay. Well, so that was a mistake. That was a mistake on everyone's part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one was France. This is Frida Bocara, and her song was Un Jour Un Enfant. Ooh. Which is one day a child. Oh, that's mm. such a Eurovision name. Mm. It's very French song. Mm. So this was France's fourth win, uh, becoming the first country ever to win the contest four times. Amazing, good going, France. Well done to them. Yeah, it is the sort of song that sounds like it should be in the background of a like a Woody Allen rom com, maybe uh. because it sounds slightly like they're taking the piss out of French romantic songs. Okay, Did you get tongue in cheek. No, it was not at the time. Okay. No, but um, and again, lyrically, 
Oh, so wet. A day shall rise over three twigs of lilac, at which a child shall look like a picture book. Oh, fuck. The world around him shall be empty, and that is how he shall create life from the first page. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Again. Not good. Very I mean, 60s Eurovision, though. Very French. It was, yeah, it was a different time. It sounds very sexy to listen to, and then you read the lyrics in English, oh, and you're like, oh, ugh, no, yeah. thank you. Okay. Um, the third song, UK. Okay, hello. Lovely Lulu. Hello, Boom, bang, a bang. Oh, yeah. So this was the UK's second win. Great. Um, this is, again, most Eurovision fans will know the song, Boom, bang, a bang, because yeah. it's one of our only wins. Yeah. So it's a very famous song, and Lulu's very famous. That's great. Yeah. Um, Lulu watching it she's having a great time so she's maybe 21 uh-huh. I think when she entered this it's still quite young um, she looks a bit mental okay. like she's really going for it in terms Intense. of expressions on her face yeah. like she's got yeah. very wide eyes yeah. there's lots of like looking around <laughs> and the song's all about falling in love with someone basically and like oh. really being bloody obsessed with him um, and so a little bit now it looks like she's a bit of a bunny boiler and okay. she might stab you in the face if you don't marry her I'm sure it was perfectly charming at the time at the time lovely <laughs> she looks bloody great she looks yeah. very cute yeah. um, and some of the lyrics uh, my heart goes boom bang a bang boom bang a bang yeah. when you are near boom bang a bang boom bang a bang loud in my ear pounding away pounding away won't you be mine that's it's boom bang a bang all the time it sounds that's a good level of nonsense and real song very nonsense good balance. yeah there's lots of her like Telling to hug herself and stuff. Aww, it's very sweet. Really? It did. It was, yeah, fun Eurovision track, especially from the 60s. Okay, so that but was most deserving so far. So far. So far. <laughs> but my favourite of all four, sorry, Lulu, uh, okay. was Spain. Oh, again. again. Spain, Salome with Vivo Cantando mm. is incredible and should have just won hands oh, down. Geez. So Vivo Cantando, uh, translated to English, means I live singing. Oh, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, but... But it was great. Anyway, um, this was their second win and the first time that any country had a winning entry for two years in a row. There you go. Which we know happened later in the 70s yeah. through Israel, as we discussed last week. Yeah. They won two years in a row. Well, very nearly happened the year before with Cliff. Bloody hell. Sandy nearly Shaw, happened with Cliff. Cliff as well. Yeah, exactly. Spain so got there first. Happens more likely than you think. Yeah. Um, and this is... It's a very jazzy song. It gets very... Um, it gets faster and faster. It's incredible. And uh, Salome is wearing this amazing blue fringe jumpsuit. Oh. And she shimmies a lot. <laughs> and she of is just would. mental. And there's like three, there's three backing singers um, who are guys in tuxes. And basically after the intro, after the first verse, it's just the chorus over and over again, but getting faster and faster. And the first time she sings it, it's just the chorus. Then she sings it and the guys are like, hey, after every single line. Then it keeps getting faster and they're still going, hey, 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 constantly. (laughs) I was losing my, I've listened to it like 10 times today. It's amazing. I would highly recommend having a look at it. Salome, so her name is spelled S-A-L-O-M-E. And the song is called Vivo Cantando. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so much fun i think that should have hands down one so what happened who hosted well the next for 1970 first i will explain okay um what would have happened with current rules in place yes because okay. after this happened because yeah. they had they didn't think there would be a tie at yeah. any point um yeah so had the 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 later tie break rule been in place mm. 
which they put in afterwards, mm. which is that the country receiving the highest score from any other country is the winner. So this was used in 1991 oh, when there was a tie okay. break. But the Netherlands would have won in that case because they received six points from France. United Kingdom would have then been runner-up because they received five points from Sweden. Okay. So remember back then, points were smaller because yeah. there were less countries yeah. involved. Yeah. On the other hand, with the present tiebreak rule being right. in place, which is that the song receiving votes from the most countries... So France, in that case, in current rules, France would have been the overall winner. Because their vote was spread. Yeah, their vote was more spread against more countries with Spain than in second place. So if you're looking at different rules, there would have been completely different winners again. Yeah, yeah. So you can't even go back in time and go, oh, you guys were the actual winners. It's very stressful. Going back to 1969, actually on the night... The organisers didn't have enough winners' medals, meaning the few they did were distributed to the winners as there were not enough to go round. <laughs> so that only the singers received their medals on okay. the night. The songwriters, to some disgruntlement, Ooh. were not awarded theirs until the date, uh, until after the date of the contest. And that was when the songwriters re- were really celebrated. They were very as said. celebrated. They had their names on screen. It showed them at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. it showed the um, the the conductors of the orchestra. Oh, yeah. It had their names on yeah. the screen. They came onto they came onto the stage. So when it, when you watch this on the um, the video of it online. Every, obviously everyone comes on stage when they're getting handed out their medals so oh, the singers no. come on and the songwriters but the songwriters just have like, to stand there oh, next to the singers who have their medals everyone looks very confused and the previous did you say, what is she called Marse- Marseilla Mar- uh, from the previous year uh, who won the Spanish Maciel Maciel M-A-S-S-I-E-L Maciel Maciel so she comes on to hand out the medals she looks incredible she's wearing this sparkly fur coat oh wow I think might be drunk because she's staggering <laughs> a little bit. And that was fine back but then. She looks incredible. And then all the, the, the winners come on and take their medals and just look, Lulu bounds onto the stage oh. and then looks very confused about <laughs> the whole thing. And no one quite knows what's going on. Um, but they got their medals. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. A shell shocked audience then had to watch all four songs played again because they all won, <laughs> oh, didn't they? God. Which. As there were only uh, 16 entries in the contest, meant they rewatched exactly a quarter of the contest again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a late night. Um, so the way they worked it out the next year was that basically the Spain had hosted that year. Yeah. UK had hosted the year before. Makes sense. So they ruled both of them out straight yeah. away. Fine, fine, fine. So it was just down to the Netherlands and France. Yeah. I can't remember the reasoning, but it ended up being the Netherlands. Okay, fine. So they ended up having it. They were yeah. very fair. They were very yeah. even, very just about um, this. Yeah. Um, Last part of this okay. is that uh, the next year, hosted in the Netherlands, five countries boycotted the following year's events as a result of this mix-up. Uh, Finland, Norway, Portugal, Sweden. So like... None of the ones who were in the tie. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. The ones <laughs> who were in the tie are perfectly happy to join like, again. Do it again. Other people kicked off wow. about it. So Finland, Norway, Portugal, and Sweden all, all um, boycotted the next year, along with Austria, who had also boycotted 1969. So now I just start to feel like Austria just likes boycotting yeah, stuff. Yeah, just kicking off a fast. They just didn't want to enter. They didn't have an entry. They First like, oh, I was we'll like, boycott. yeah, well done, like fighting the system. <laughs> and I'm like, Austria didn't have a good enough song, did they? So they just it's used a small song. country. They, you know, there's not that many mm. people there. There's probably only 200 people there. Um, I also found while I was looking at this, um, when I was giggling, Eurovision 1969, here we go, mm. it's going to come up. I found a website for someone um, called Tim Luscombe. Excellent. Um, uh, who did a one-man play oh. called 
the death of Gogol and the 1969 Eurovision Song Contest. Holy smokes. I'm just going to read you the synopsis. Okay. This, this is from 2005. <laughs> This one-hour, one-man musical <gasps> tragical comedy uses songs from the 1969 Eurovision Song Contest and premiered at the Drill Hall London in 2005. Oh. Synopsis. Lenny Kerr, an 18-year-old singer-songwriter and communist lesbian virgin. I have no idea if that's true about communist Lenny. Communist lesbian virgin. Prepares to represent the Netherlands in the Eurovision Song Contest. Meanwhile, Stuart has something to send in the post. A just-completed radical treatise which will set the record straight about exactly how gay Nikolai Gogol was. I don't know who Nikolai... I should have Googled that. Gogol. And what was his predilection for Cossacks all about? Oh, God. Is Lenny merely part of Stuart's imagination? Mm. And if not, why wouldn't you let him switch off the Eurovision Song Contest and go and post his treaties? <laughs> the death of Gogol in the 1969 Eurovision Song Contest is a unique entertainment. A one-man show with a cast of thousands. Oh. It veers from a celebration of glorious Euro campery to a moving exploration of one man's agoraphobia via a quick peek at those sexy Cossacks. Oh, that sounds... Um, Tim, oh. if you're listening, um, we will give you... Read an excerpt of the play. <gasps> oh my God, I didn't see that before. Is about do it. I Request think... a copy of the screen. <laughs> There's an actual link for it. Wait, was this a one-man play? Yes. <laughs> so I could just do this on my own. This and is it like we're fine. there. We went, yeah. Um, well, I think we'll, we'll explore There's, oh my God, I can't believe I never clicked on this. There is so much here. This is going to be insane. Maybe we shouldn't do it as a one man. Maybe it would be good if I did it as a one man play. I think maybe we should, maybe that could be a bonus podcast is you just doing the whole play. (laughs) Um, okay. If this podcast ever gets big enough, I am going to do, as a one-man play, Tim Luscombe's 1969 Eurovision Song Contest about Lenny and Stuart and some sexy Cossacks, and I will read the entirety. That is your motivation, ladies and gentlemen, to subscribe, (laughs) like, and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this podcast. This mention of the 1968 Eurovision Song Contest in it's it. It's like it's, it's it meant to be. Us. Oh my God, this is amazing. Tim, you must be listening to this podcast. You wrote <laughs> a play about Eurovision. This is a Eurovision podcast. Just get in touch with us. Eurovision podcast. Euro, oh Euroforia podcast at gmail.com. Please get in touch. We would love to hear from you. Isabel, that was a fantastic story with an extra little bonus at the end. I really enjoyed that. So excited about it What ridiculous... That poor presenter. Oh, it's so funny. You have to watch it. So some of the entries, definitely watch Spain's because it's incredible. And her blue fringe jumpsuit is just mind-blowingly sexy. Um, but just to watch that end bit of this poor woman looking flustered mm. and then the cut to the audience of them looking livid um, at, at the, the ridiculousness of what's outrage. going on. I mean, yeah. I would be outraged. It was, I mean... I, I think I'd just be howling with laughter. Can you imagine if it was a time I'll put a photo year. up on Instagram of the of the scoreboard with oh all of them on 18. Yeah. I love it's that. So funny. I love that the UK got pushed into into first at the last one. They're like, <laughs> oh, we'll surely want it. And it's like, no, oh, it's a bigger oh, no, photo. Us too. <laughs> <laughs> We're involved too. So, Isabel, we have done our stories. We are. You've still got quite a lot of red wine left to drink. How well, are I you? just did my talking bit, didn't I? I know. How How are your feelings doing? Not falling out. No, but I can feel them with my tongue. Feel them in your mouth. And then when I shut my teeth together. Ooh, it feels weird. Yeah, because there's... Why is this allowed? I don't understand how this is an okay thing to uh, do to people. My plan is... Why? Have you got fillings? No, because I'm just not going to go to the dentist. No, but that's what I did and now I need three. And now I have three bloody 
fillings, yeah. don't I? Yeah, but what, what if you just never went? That... I'd have had to get a root canal. That's what the dentist said. Oh, fuck, I'm going to have to get Your a root, root canal. nerve dies. But then you don't feel it and it's fine. Ooh, but then you don't have teeth. You have yeah, to have I want teeth. teeth. I need it's teeth. Bloody, I'm not going to lie. It's bloody horrible. And I genuinely, I know this is such a princess thing <laughs> because I'm 28 and I'm just having my first fillings and I'm kicking off about dental work. But I've never had dental work before. Mm. So I've, this is my first experience of realising it's horrible. Like actually going through the experience was oh. fine. I didn't mind it. It wasn't yeah. painful or anything. But now I have metal in my mouth forever. Don't ever, ever bite on tinfoil. Oh it's, my God. No, 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 don't no, do no, it. no, no, no. It, it, feel, it like, has like an electric shock thing that goes into your nerves and your gums. But it's I insane. Don't, I don't know how, how am I going to, I, how you gonna right live? now, how am I going to, how am I going to live with this? <laughs> Is that too extreme? Your mouth's different. Things change and you'll get used to it, but you'll, you'll move on. Uh, Isabel, it has come to the time of the podcast where I do my bit um, I take centre stage. I take all where Roland should always be, <laughs> and um, and I uh, play my song that I recorded. Okay, I didn't. I didn't quite explain as well how I do this. Uh, I don't know if I've explained it to you either, Isabel. So when I record my song, I use I use GarageBand on my iPad. Good. You know, and it's amazingly versatile i've got also i've got a xylophone i can use if i want it's amazing <laughs> but the thing that i have to actually physically do is do the singing now yeah. we live in london and you know you're not far away from anyone else i've got people below me and people either side of me so i don't really want to sing in the flat but so what i do is i go to my car I drive it to a quiet road and sit with my iPad <laughs> on my lap and belt out these Eurovision songs. Because that doesn't look creepy or weird. It's And I generally just sit outside someone's house and do it, which I'm terrified that someone's going to come out. In and South t- London? T- yeah, in South London. Do you have your car at your house? Yeah, I do. It's luxury, isn't it? Anyway, so if you see a, a man in a car with an iPad just belting out a song in South London, it's just, Roland. Just let let it let him be. Let just him be. Just leave him alone. Leave him alone. A, a group thing. of a, a group of three teens walked by the other day, and I was well embarrassed. I had to stop halfway through. No, in fact, <laughs> in fact, in this song, if you listen really carefully, you can hear the moment I lock my car doors as someone's walking oh, by. Oh, <laughs> Roland! But it's all for the podcast, so that's absolutely fine. So. This song, a bit like you mentioned earlier, we mentioned last week, I was inspired by when we were talking about nonsense words and, and non-words and people love a la-la-la and love mm-hmm. a lulu-lu. So I, I set myself the challenge for the chorus of this song to be mainly non-words. Um, so we'll see how we do. The cons- uh, we'll see how we do. Are you ready? This song... Okay, name. This song is called My Heart Begins to Beat. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. From a million miles away In a thousand places There's a force I feel today And it takes me over And so my feet Begin to do the walking As I feel the call into the light And then we meet And my mind starts Oh, oh, oh. 
my God, when you take my heart I'm moving mountains, building fjords Cause love has pushed me through this door And then we meet And my mind starts thinking Could this be where things turn around? And my heart begins to beat Oh, 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 oh Oh, 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 oh Oh, 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 oh Oh, my heart begins to beat Oh, 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 oh Oh, 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 oh Oh, 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 oh God, what you guys couldn't see was that Roland was dancing to his own song throughout. I was I was giving an example of what the choreography could oh be. Oh my god, I'm so crying. your face wasn't quite the same as the face you made last week. And now I don't know if that's just you're oh used to god. the sort of songwriting I'm doing now, or oh what? that was so incredibly <laughs> wonderfully bad. <laughs> I don't know what, you, what, what, what. I think that was no, like if that was entered yeah. in a in a, in. You wouldn't blink twice. No, I would not blink yeah. twice. Yeah. That would be a legitimate. It wouldn't win. Eurovision song. No, it would come a very respectable seventh. No, I would say thirteenth. I don't know. It depends who's got the country behind it. And you're all that. still in the bracket that's you're not close enough for anyone to be yeah. impressed. No, no, no. So forgettable. You're, you're, it's forgettable. It's not one that I'm gonna in years to come still be singing. But then when it gets put on, you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. It was that weird Italian entry, wasn't it? That was slightly odd. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, yeah. No, that. <laughs> but I feel like. I feel like the chorus did its job. There was lots of O's. Yeah, you can, I can imagine people like pumping their fists yeah. in the air and like doing lots of stomping. Waving a flag. And oh yeah, waving some flags. Yeah, yeah. Like it, they might be, you know, the lead singer will be wearing leather. Here's the thing I think about it is last week's one, uh, United We Dance, Divided We Fall, it was a concept. It was a strong concept. It was about bringing people together. When you've got a chorus that goes A-O, there's not much of a concept behind it at that point. Or it was just a shit song. <laughs> yeah, I, think you I was trying to explain it. Away. No, I think you did very well. But last week you started so bloody high with that though, I, because that not only was a great song, but also right up my alley in terms of what my yeah my was, sorts of Eurovision songs would be. And very that. campy, very trashy, very mm. um, easily could be yeah, like Scandinavian yeah, yeah. trashy pop. I think I'd I think I'd been like. Uh, um, what's the word? I've been like building that one up in my own head for like years. And so when we started the podcast, <laughs> that just came out so that easily. That's the reason why we've done the podcast, yeah. is just so that Rona could I write that get song. Get that one song out. <laughs> that might be my peak. This one I struggled a bit more with. This one I had the backing track to straight away. And I was like, it's good backing track. Yeah, Actually, no, if I take my vocals track. away, yeah, that could be a Katy Perry track. song. Yeah. Yeah, it could be about being a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Rowland is such a feminist, guys. You'll hear this week in, week out. Uh, he just bloody loves ladies. Um, yeah, but the, yeah. So you know, and again, I'm not the best singer, but I got the idea across. You tried your hardest. So that's what counts. Again, between zero and do's, uh, what would you vote that song? You're a country. Your people have voted, Isabel. What is your vote? Catra points. Was that eight? Four. Oh, four. 
Okay, that's that's fine. Yeah. Four. Oh, we've had a big drop from ten. Four. Yeah, four. Okay, Sorry, that's love. fine. No, I can no, I can deal with that. You know what? I'll take that and I'll learn. Okay, good. Next criticism. week I will do better. So, okay, oh, yeah. we've that. And that's a song. And please feel free. And I was going to say actually, we need to quickly get our um, various contact details together. What is our? Oh bloody hell! Yeah. So Twitter. we actually did after last week of our I got the shit here. show of working out what we. Um. Oh, email us and follow us on Instagram, and we had none of that stuff set up. No, we actually have it all now. So we have an Instagram yeah. uh, account, which if I can get it up on my phone, it is Euphoria Podcast. Um. So we are going to put onto that. We'll put on some pictures of the topics that we've been talking about. So for last week, we've we, we're going to put up pictures of Sylvia Knight. Yeah. Um. In her wonderfully bonkers outfits, and um. So we'll put up. I'll put up a photo for this week of the um some of the entries. Oh, the wonderful blue fringe jumpsuit. It's going straight oh, up. Oh yes, there. please. Um. And that. we also have a Twitter account, Roland. Our Twitter account uh, handle is at EuphoriaCast. So the Instagram is Euphoria Podcast. Uh, the uh, Twitter feed is at EuphoriaCast. We'll be tweeting any Eurovision uh, news, anything about us, any fun little facts and a little behind-the-scenes uh, photos as well, uh, and probably links to the songs as well because I want people to listen to my songs again. Yeah. Uh, so um, follow us at EuphoriaCast, and you can uh, find out more about what's going on there as well. Uh, our email address is also euphoriapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, as we sort of jokingly said at the start of last week, but please, 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 please do, because the quality of my songwriting is going down very quickly. <laughs> please send in songs, uh, any song, and we will listen and love it as well. And any information about our stories, if yeah. you've got something wrong, or if you know an extra bit to the story, if you know um, for definite whether or not Franco did rig the contest, yes. or if you um, know where I can buy that blue fringe jumpsuit, oh. please email us or Give tweet us, us and just let us know, because we really want to hear it from people. And we want to know what you think of this, because we're only on episode two. Yeah, so, uh, and if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, iTunes, please uh, subscribe and leave a review and yeah. leave a rating because that's how we work our way up the rankings to become the eventual inevitable number one comedy podcast on iTunes, <laughs> which is, I've heard about eight podcasts say that they are at some point. So we're hoping to reach that point as well. Uh, we're going to go, but before we go, uh, as we say every week, Isabel, our sign off. If you take away my Eurovision, I will... Oh, I'll be bloody mad. <laughs> Bye. Oh, I can't do that voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast.